Hello and welcome to D2C Podcast. I am Eric Dick. Today, I am super thrilled to be sharing with you a live podcast recording from our last meetup a few weeks ago in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, where we brought together about 100 of the West Coast's top D2C brands, founders, executives, marketers for a regular throwdown, a few drinks, little food, and some top-notch content, kicking it off with a catch-up with a good friend of mine, Tony Yu, as well as Michaela Go, co-founders of Vessi. I like to consider them one of the West Coast's first family of apparel e-commerce, and it was great to catch up with both of them at this event. We got an update on Tony's quest to own the weather and how that's gone through their various product launches over the last few years. We get a really interesting update on their retail expansion as well as a deep dive on Tony and Michaela's retail expansion strategy and how to support it with things like out of home and other awesome opportunities. We just got into a lot of fun stuff, including the best offer that they've ever run. I think that's a question I want to start asking a little bit more, as well as how AI and Tony's side AI business is actually helping grow efficiencies in the Vessi Prime business as well. All of this and so much more, including some of their Black Friday plans, are in this wonderful live recording, D2C Live. Don't miss the next one. When we're coming to your city, join us live because they're always a lot of fun. But for now, you can enjoy the fireside chat from Vancouver with Tony Yu and Michaela Go from Vessi. On with the show. I hired a VP of digital a couple months ago. One thing that I've learned is that that trust factor is really important. If a trust is on a scale from like zero to 10, you can either start with a 10, a five, or like a zero. People either have to earn it or they have full trust and it deteriorates. In my hiring path, like I start usually at a 10 and then any little thing that they do just erodes that trust. So the last guy, the VP of digital that we just hired, sorry, I'm at like kind of a seven. He's been earning a lot of trust, right? We set these expectations, like this is the 30, 60, 90 day plan. There's a lot riding on the line here. So going through the motions and actually spending the time over the last couple of months, one, it helps and sets him up for success and allows me to do other things. Have you ever listened to the D2C podcast and thought to yourself, just imagine that D2C and Pilot House created the ultimate learning experience for meta ads? Imagine no more. Here on the D2C podcast, providing value to our listeners is the name of the game. But when it comes to mastering the most powerful social ad platform, Meta Ads, interviews and newsletter articles just don't give you the whole picture. That's why we created Scale School Meta Ads. So now you can own Pilot House's step by step system for creating profitable meta ads, backed by over half a billion in profitable ad spend and taught by Pilot House's team leads who are personally responsible for managing millions of dollars of meta ad spend every single month. Learning a complex platform like meta ads can be daunting, and with almost unlimited options to reach your target audience with your hard earned money, how can you be sure that you're spending efficiently? Only with a well defined step by step system that clearly shows you how to hone your ads into lean, mean, profitably scaling winners. Strategizing, budgeting, tracking, targeting, testing, creative, landing pages, generative AI, you'll learn it all with DSC's Scale School Meta Ads. Available now as a standalone course or as a one year learning experience where you get monthly access to a collaborative environment where you get to work with DSC and Pilot House teams to maximize your chance of becoming a Meta Ads master. 
join Pilot House and D2C and join Scale School if you're ready to transform your skills, your agency, or your brand with the ultimate meta ads learning experience. Join today in October for the absolute best deal. You're never going to get Scale School at a price this low again. Hope to see you on the inside. Let's go. Scale School. Scale it up. So Tony came and spoke at, we did a Victoria Mastermind uh, last year and Tony came and Michaela also came and we just had a lot of great conversations. So I knew when, when we were doing this that I want to have you both up here. How's it going? Good. Yeah, no, good. When we last spoke, Vessi, you know, you guys have just had such a sort of meteoric rise as, as a company, which is fantastic. And you, and you just, it feels like you're just continuing to kind of grow through it. Where's your mindset right now with growth in 2023, given all that you've got going on? That's a big conversation. That is a big comment. I'll, I'll pass that to you first. Uh, 2023. Yeah, I mean, it's been a good year so far. Uh, we're focused mostly on like operations and growth within the operations, which is always a challenge when your company is uh, much larger. How big is it now? How many people would you? I actually don't know. Like uh, six, like <laughs> 60, 70. 60, 70, okay. Yeah. And then we're opening two, we have two stores, um, so like 30 in each location. That was one of the big things I think we talked about in Victoria was your push into retail. So how, how is that initiative going? So I guess we launched our first store. Right now we only have one. We're planning to open up our Toronto or Mississauga store in November, actually. And I guess like how we think about retail is like we've never done it before. So it's really like a slow learn and test approach. Um, and like the objective of the first store was like, is it really going to make us money? Like, when are we going to get paid back on this store? Because we've never done one before. And, like, what does it look like beyond, like, seasonality? Like, what does summer look like? What does winter look like? And I think it's almost like a learning for us to see then, now can we replicate this and go to Ontario, where our brand awareness is lower than here in BC. So it'll be interesting, but it's super exciting. And this is really When does that open up in Ontario? Funny enough, it's the same weekend that we opened up in Metro Town in November. So, yeah. And when, I don't know if we had spoken when your retail locations had opened up at West, maybe. How are, the, how are the retail locations going where you have such a strong foothold? It's like one in 10 people have Vessies. I remember one of, is that sort of the number you're, you're rocking with these days? In, on the, in Vancouver, would you say? Uh, yeah. Um, maybe around that percentage. Yeah. Uh, within like uh, Van- Vancouver area. Um, yeah, re- retail definitely helps to do that. We, we look at the entire market and COVID obviously helped with e-com in like getting more people to buy online, but we've recently seen like a reversion back to the mean where e-com is still growing, it's going up and to the right, but not as fast as it was during 2020. Um, we're still seeing about 80% of shoppers come from brick and mortar, especially in like the footwear category. So. We're servicing 20%, but the other 80%, they want to go in, try shoes on, fit it, see how they look. Um, and that's where like retail comes into play, and also wholesale. Do you ever send people to retail from an e-commerce experience? I guess you wouldn't have any reason. If they're in an e-commerce experience, you're trying to convert it. You're not ever trying to leverage retail in that situation. Yeah, I mean, we, we have like the links to, if they want to go to that specific location, then they can go and try things on. Uh, but no, generally, we want to convert them if they're coming to our site. One of, one of the neat statements you made in uh, Victoria at the Mastermind was that the way you think about kind of expanding your market and 
branding in some ways is that you, you wanted Vessi to be sort of synonymous with the rain or the weather so that whenever you, you, you know, you're, it's raining, which happens a lot out here, uh, you're thinking, okay, I got to strap on my Vessis, I'm going for a dog walk kind of thing, that you have that synonymous brand association. How is that mission going? And I'm curious, as you expand your brand into like a fashion brand, are you kind of, are parts, are you moving away from like the waterproof sort of mentality a little bit into broader fashion? How, how is that world going? No, we're still making waterproof shoes. Um, but I think when you think about like base, for example, like your socks, they don't really need to be waterproof. But essentially, we're still really owning that waterproof category. But when you think about like what really makes Vessi different and our products different, because you can buy a Gore-Tex jacket or a Gore-Tex shoe out there, but what really makes Vessi different is that we take a performance item and turn it into everyday casual things that you want to wear every day. It has to be comfortable. It has to be soft. Like when you think about a, a shirt jacket and you like move your arm up, like it's just like, eh, like, you know, that sound of garbage bags. And like, I think what we're here to do is to redefine like really what waterproof looks and feels like. It's like when you wear a jacket, ultimately we want to create a jacket like this where it's unexpectedly waterproof. You wear it today, you go out and it doesn't even matter if it's raining or if it's sunny or if it's, if it's whatever. It's about like how you experience your day at the fullest. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess a lot of people don't actually know the, the story, even with the name, so we can talk about the name and why it's called Vessi. Um, and then really the overall mission of what we're trying to do is enabled by the products that we create. So it's like Vessi really started with like everyone sitting around the table here and complaining about the rain, right? Like we didn't want to go out. We didn't want to uh, do anything whenever it rains. And I mean, growing up in Vancouver, we just like, that's all you hear whenever it's raining. Uh, but when it's snowing, people love it when it snows. They go skiing, snowboarding. When it's sunny, people love to go to the beach. But like the most critical function of this like weather pattern, people avoid. They just end up sitting inside. Uh, so we took a lot of note to the rest of the world and really looked to uh, Finland. Like Finland, there's a, a word called uh, also Vesi, it's V-E-S-I in Finnish, uh, and that means water. Um, it also means water in a lot of different uh, places. But what was really interesting about Finland is um, it rains more than Vancouver. It rains all the time, but they happen to be the happiest country in the world. They also have a saying that there's no such thing as bad weather, only inappropriate clothing. So it's like rain doesn't stop them from going out and doing the things that they want to do, but they go out and, and embrace it. And just growing up, like we never had that experience. But the minute that Mikhail and I, we put on these vesties and our third co-founder Andy is like, the, the empowerment that you get by putting on these shoes allows you to go out and embrace the weather, right? suddenly we've unlocked the six months of the year for people, right? And I think if we can do that and continue to do that by creating the new wardrobe of what waterproof looks like, then we can change the mindset and allow people to live a little bit more in the moment and like experience the things that happen naturally. And that's kind of the whole mission. And uh, yeah, we go through, we're going from like the shoes, um, so top to bottom, head to toe, and outside, inside, but ensuring that people never have to gear up for the weather, right? People don't feel uncomfortable, all crinkly and crunchy, and people can look and feel good, right? So like these shoes, fully waterproof, but the material that we created allows it to be rain or shine, uh, indoors Are or these outdoor. released? Are these unreleased? Are these... We, ju we just launched these, yeah. Oh, okay, here we go. These slippers... Preview, all right. Slippers. These slippers, also fully waterproof. Yeah. They don't look waterproof. 
They, don't, they look fuzzy. They don't look, yeah. they don't feel waterproof, and it's really enabled by this um, material that we created. We call it Dymatex. It's a dual climate knit material that doesn't look or feel it, but will keep you warm in the wintertime and also cool in the summer. I was just like, reading about this. Is this new, or is this what your products have always been based on? Uh, this, is, this has always been the product, which yeah. is not very good at uh, properly explaining it. We kind of just go uh, one angle at a time. Yeah. Makes sense, right? Because you think about Gore-Tex, right? Like, so many other products are made with Gore-Tex. Now that becomes like a big marketing point for the product. So if you can like pioneer this other, like, could you guys, did you make this fabric? Is it Andy your product guy? Is Andy your, your co-founder that's yeah, pro super so product Yeah, so I guess like how, the, um, how fast he came about was like Mikhail and I, we were working on other projects before, um, really good at launching companies, and then like, ah, oh, man, so many people want us to launch companies, like let's start an incubator. We start an incubator, and then uh, Andy, a friend from the gym, was like, ah, oh, man, we got this really cool shoe and this new material that we were developing, want to launch it. Like, okay, let's do it, sat down, launched this, yeah, literally sat around a, at a table and like came up with like the strategy, the branding, and then we launched it um, through Kickstarter and uh, took, I think it was like twenty thousand dollars and turned it into like a couple million. Leveraged up the factories and then just kept on uh, growing in that way. You guys had your Kickstarter expertise, or I guess yeah, congratulations, yeah, huge. <laughs> Uh, and you also had, you built a lot of, I don't know if you had it in the beginning, but you leveraged Kickstarter really effectively in the beginning, right? Yeah, that, that was like what we were really good at doing. Like we were able to take uh, in all the companies like a few thousand dollars and leverage it up to like a couple million. Yeah. Um, and that's because you can, once you get this massive peel with a, with a pre-order, you can take that peel and then leverage your factories and your vendors and get really, really good payment terms. And because it's public, you go to your vendors and like, hey, like we just did like, couple million dollars with this. You want to be part of the journey or not? And then like, yes, we want to be part of the journey. You're going to be huge. All right, give us like 120 payable uh, terms with that. And then you get this negative cash and then you rip it back in the business. And so now you're, you're, you're fully outfitting for the rain. What's been the most successful product outside of the core product line, outside of the shoes, I guess? What's been the most successful foray into outer gear? Gloves. I mean, we don't really have a lot of outer gear. You got the gloves, you got the jacket. Actually, it's the gloves. It's the gloves, yeah. yeah. They're just the perfect accessory, I guess, right? It makes sense. Like, it makes sense to have waterproof gloves. Yeah. I think that was the thing that we found out. It's just like, it has to make sense for the user, and like, what are they going to use it for? Yeah. Because like, I mean, we've had other things where it's just like, okay, it doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Or like, it's, uh, the product fit is there. Like, it could be there, it might not be there, but there's a gut feel, you know? Are those shoes slip-on, or do you have to tie them? Uh, you, you can slip these on. Because I just yeah. feel like that's like my number one criteria for shoes these days. Like, can I slip them on or am I going to have yeah. to spend five minutes lacing these things? It doesn't take yeah. you five minutes to tie shoes, but close. That, that's, that's, that's like the insight. whole thing. Is like, um, so we have like a brand ethos and a product ethos. And it's like, what does the product look like? And how do we roll that out? Like when we roll out like a larger wardrobe. We just launched jackets. And the jackets don't look like waterproof jackets. They don't feel like waterproof jackets. But um, you can, I'm not wearing it, but you can like, you can wear it day to day. And that's the whole point, right? Um, to solve for people wanting to go out and embracing the rain, embracing water in general, you need to solve for the fact that they're not wet, they're not cold, and they never have to gear up. They don't have to plan for it. It, it should be like kind of the front of the door thing. And that's why shoes are like this. It's slip-on, right? It's comfortable, and it needs to look good. And it's kind of like the three points of the product that we try to instill. I wanted to ask about your your, what, what does your division of labor look like at this point between like the three founders? Uh, what are your actual roles in, in, in the company at this point? Mm -hmm. 
can start. Um, yeah. okay, so I guess currently I am the, the brand leader. Okay. Um, but we are at that stage where we, we're hiring. You know, when you start your own business, you got to do everything. You wear so many multiple hats. Um, but right now, we're hiring a few VPs. Very exciting, but also very scary. You know, it's just like, can I still say something? I don't know. Um, but yeah, um, but it's really exciting to learn from them. I think that was yeah. like the thing. It's like, you know, given the opportunity to be in rooms for people that I would never think I would be in rooms with. Um, and so I guess going back to your question, like what is the division of labor? Right now, I think the biggest thing is honestly trust and being able to say that I'm giving up trust and I trust you to do this. I'm like a very big believer of, when you bring someone in to say, take away a bunch of the operational things that you're doing, you gotta be like this with that person. Like, it's almost, I wouldn't say like micromanaging, but like really working alongside each other. Like you gotta see each other like every day. And then when that point comes where you just be like, hey, you know what, you get it. Like you get it, like our expectations are set. And then that's when you actually feel like you could go out there and like take a vacation. Like, yeah. like actually be offline on Slack. And that's it's so great. Like it's really great. I have been following you both on social media and I noticed you have taken some wonderful vacations. And, and I, I, I love that. Like I, I, we get so caught up in the grind of D2C. Like it's been three years now of building the, this media company with Pilot House. And it's like, I've taken a few, a few vacations here and there, but I haven't like, I always admire founders when they hit, hit that stage where they appear to be like really like taking dream trips and doing really fun stuff. It feels like you guys got a taste of that over the last few years or the last year at least. So have you started that process of being able to uh, sort of you know, hire VPs essentially? I guess the short answer is yes. Um, so it was, you already have some great people in place, right? That you feel confident in, but you're trying to take it to the next level. Yeah, especially like for like we're the brand team. I I, I feel like um, it was so funny because I was literally talking about this with someone, and I was like, yeah, I'm offline, and like I love taking vacations, but you can't reach me, and that's great. Um, like you know, and I think it is it's good, but then also at the same time, like you really have to trust the other person, or else. It won't work both ways. Like, they're not going to feel empowered. You're not going to feel great. And so it won't work. Um, but yeah. Marketers, if you're finding yourself manually creating segments on Shopify and then waiting 20 minutes to download just so you can upload to Google, Meta, or Attentive to keep your audiences in sync, try Trestle Segments. Segments makes segmentation easy and profitable. Choose from pre-built audiences backed by data or make your own. Segments will keep synced across Klaviyo, Meta, TikTok, and more. They've just launched Filter GPT, so now you can segment using natural language. For example, just say, customers who bought during last year's holidays but ghosted since, and voila, it's done for you, ready for retargeting. Isn't AI wonderful? Try it today at trestle.co slash DTC. That's T-R-E-S-L dot co slash DTC for a special offer. How are you doing a delegation, Tony? It's challenging. Yeah. <laughs> what have you successfully delegated so far? Anything? Well, I mean, it's, it's 4 p.m. on a Thursday and I'm sitting here, so there you go. a lot. Um, we've been able to, like my day-to-day -day is very empty these days. So a couple touch points. I hired a VP of digital um, recently, a couple months ago. He's come in, he's taken a lot of the stuff, but uh, to Mikhail's point, it's like that, that trust factor is really important. But the, the one thing that I've learned is that um, trust is not always equal. Uh, and I think, you know, people will start with, if a trust is on a scale from like zero to 10, like you can either start with a 10, a five, or like a zero. Um, so people either have to earn it or you, they have full trust and they kind of it deteriorates. Uh, what I've noticed in like my hiring past before is like I start usually at a 10 
really gung-ho, and then any little thing that they do just kind of like erodes that trust. And trust without expectation doesn't work. So setting up the guardrails and, and having those set expectations, very, very important. Um, the last guy, the VP of digital that we just hired, um, I obviously knew I, I shouldn't start with a 10, so I saw him at like kind of a seven, and he's been earning a lot of uh, trust, right? We set these expectations, like this is what you need to do, this is the 30, 60, 90 day plan, and he's crushing it, right? Team loves him, and I feel way more confident in like relinquishing like more and more things to him to do. I mean, at the end of the day, he's controlling all the budget and the spend, millions of dollars is going out. So it's, it's hard to be like, all right, here's the budget, you do whatever you want with it and, and, and go for it, right? Like this, there's a lot riding on the line here. So that change in perspective, like starting him at that like seven level trust and going through the motions and actually spending the time over the next, uh, last couple of months, one, it helps and sets him up for success and allows me to do other things, like go travel or, uh, for me now it's more like high level strategy stuff uh, for the organization, yeah. Yeah, I was, I, I've been working with you a little bit on the AI stuff that you're involved in. I was curious, like how, I know you've got, you've got some vision for what you want to do there, but I'm curious how has, how, how has ChatGPT or MidJourney or, or AI affected Vessi at this point? Is there any, are there aspects that you're using it for Vessi right now and what are they? Yeah, so I, so I started an AI company like kind of beginning of this year. Um, we noticed an issue with, well, I mean, uh, OpenAI really like spun up and ChatGPT was doing really cool stuff. So I was like, oh, it'd be really cool to connect that to all of our Shopify data. So I messaged a friend and she's like, oh, I can build that. Right? And she built it in two weeks. We could connect our Shopify, have all the data within Shopify, and you can ask it questions around uh, who made the, like what shoe sold the most in the past like six months, I'd give you that data. But started like encountering like a lot of different issues where the people that would pay for that service like were people like Vessi and were like quite large. And the ones that couldn't pay for it that actually used that data like were too small. So we kind of started pivoting um, and landed on this interesting space where now we're creating, um, we're basically removing the need for landing pages by creating chatbots with the likeness of creators and having the creators sell for us using their experiences with our product. So uh, we do a lot of sponsorship content with YouTubers or podcasts and Instagram and TikTok and whenever they're like, oh, like uh, check out my experience with like Vessies, that link now doesn't go just to our website, that link goes to our website's chatbot. So you'll go to the product display page and a chatbot would open up with, um, say like Eric Dick, right? And Eric would talk about Vessi and his tone and his language and he'll upload images and the person now can have a different type of conversation with the brand, um, but with Eric's experiences, which is more powerful. We, we saw like a 100% increase in conversion rate for whoever interacted with that bot. So. Uh, no and more, could it be dynamic no eventually pages. where your bot is determined by the first party data profile of the person that comes to the store potentially? They're like, oh, I hate that Eric guy. Don't, don't, don't put him there. Right? Yeah, so I mean like um, how they would land on the Eric thing generally is like uh, they would have watched one of your videos yeah. or like listened to oh, your so podcast. they like me already. That's good. And, and clicked it, right? Uh, and they still might not like you, so maybe they won't chat with you. And, 
Uh, I like this because it sounds like my exit plan. It means if I can get a bot that can ask questions like me, then I don't have to keep doing podcasts three times a week forever. Uh, we, we, sounds we, like an exit plan. I like yeah, it. You, you can outsource that for sure. I like um, it. Yeah, that, that's a cool, exciting project that we're working on. It's super neat. I was talking with uh, Feastables, the, the, the director of retention for Feastables, and I think they're doing the same thing for Mr. Beast, right? And that's the perfect application. When you go to one of his, his companies, like everyone wants a piece of, as he put it, the Jimmy Donaldson pie, yep. the Jimmy pie, which I think he should make. I think if, you're, if you know Mr. Beast, he should make Jimmy pies. Like moon pies, you make me, but uh, but yeah, just such a such a huge application for that. And there's so many more creator-led brands coming out all the time. Does this have application too with like a lot of the platforms trying to remove Shopify from the equation a, a little bit, right? Because a lot of the platforms are trying to get you to shop on TikTok. Is this mm. gonna have? Is this gonna help with that at all? I guess not, because you still go to your website where you're gonna have these chats. Yeah. So you can think of like what we're creating is like a little digital brain for every human or creator. So every one is customized and owned by the Eric. So like Eric, you can ingest any information into it and it will talk and act like you. And from that, you can apply it to a lot of different applications. Some of the applications that we've built right now is like a WhatsApp integration. So you can chat with Eric on WhatsApp, but not Eric, you check with Eric's twin. Um, you can also ask Eric for directions to places uh, for Eric's favorite sushi restaurant in Victoria. It will link that sushi restaurant in the chat within WhatsApp. You can ask Eric also for recommendations for your travel experience and what shoes you should buy. And Eric should recommend Vessies. Oh yeah. I mean, if he's not doing that, it's an issue, right? But um, he'll link Vessies and we've integrated Shopify so you can actually shop within WhatsApp directly to Shopify as well. Uh, so we're building all, the, all these features. There's Discord, there's Slack. So like you, Eric can, I mean, I don't know that you want Eric in all these channels, but you can show up in any channel you want. Don't ask me for directions. Yeah. That's not going to help you at well, all. The bot would help. Yeah. Maybe not Eric, but yeah. That's it. But uh, I, I wanted to ask, it's funny, my friend Jason, was, was, he's, he thinks I should start asking all my podcast guests, what's the best offer you've ever run? Like, what's the most effective offer you've ever run, and why did it work so well? I think the, uh, so we ran an earlier offer before, uh, we called it the, so there's two, the choose what you pay one, which was interesting, where we let the customers choose what they wanted to pay for our product we let them choose between three options, um, high, middle, and low. If they ended up choosing the, hi the highest option, we would take the difference between the highest and the lowest and donate that money. Um, this was during COVID, so we take that money and we buy masks when people were wearing masks. Um, and then the middle, same thing. And then the lowest tier uh, would inflict a lot of like pain on people. So not a lot of people chose the lower one because if they chose that one, it would mean that they didn't donate any money. So we ended up getting like 75% of people choosing like the, the top and middle option. And we were able to raise like half a million dollars within a week um, in additional money to go and donate while still making a profit and increasing revenue substantially. So it's like triple bottom line type of thing. And uh, I, I got know. some press on that too, or some Tons, PR, lots of, of Halo. Really, really well. Yeah. So that was a really good offer. Very good. And then what was the Labor Day one? Uh, Labor Day is, I don't know, kind of standard. It's not like super interesting, but uh, just really good upsell rate. Um, yeah, increased the average order value by quite a bit. Uh, kept higher gross margins um, and then ripped into Facebook a lot. Uh, I think also there is like people don't make calculations. <laughs> people don't calculate. Yeah. And so then you can actually put something on for like 5%, 10% off. They're not going to realize it's 5% or 10% off. Because in the past, 
we would actually group them as percentage offs, and then we would get so much hate. Being like, hey, it's only 10% off. But then when you look at it from the lens of a consumer, whatever price makes sense, makes sense. And no one's gonna be like, hey, this is like $5, like, you know? Yeah, and so then I thought that actually was, because we kept our margins, like it was, it was good. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, we had some items that were like, I don't know, 4% off, 6% off. It's weird, but then, um, yeah, Michaela is like, oh, like, that, that fucking sucks. Like, yeah. So don't show the percentage off, let's just show the slash price and make sure the number looks fine. We know customers and consumers on our site are not doing like a one-to-one -one comparison with mm -hmm. another product, so it makes sense for them, get them to add to cart. Once they add to cart, have a really strong upsell funnel. Upsell funnel worked really, really well. We had like a 35% upsell rate for shoes. It's like people are buying more shoes. Um, yeah, I don't know anyone that needs four shoes in one order. It's, it's a, a weird thing, but they kept on doing it. And then uh, once we had that funnel going, yeah, we just kept on spending into it. And yeah, it was a very strong offer. Yeah. Uh, any big plans for Black Friday, Cyber Monday, like all brands probably do? You're you going to make half of your revenue in Q4 this year? Or, or what, what, are, what are your Q4 plans look like? Well, I think Michaela is doing more of that planning, but probably like a similar type deal. Every year before, um, what was always been like a good offer has been a, a gift card, a gift card with uh, purchase. So you can spend a lot into your November order and then, or sorry, into November and then in December, you generally get this huge like sales hangover, but then you use these gift cards to bring people back and new product drops. Um, and then you kind of mash up between like your first order and their potential second order and you calculate like a pretty strong gross margin between the two and for the first order the customers feel like they're winning because they're getting like a $50, $100 gift card um, but on the subsequent you're still making money. So I think offers like that, it's, it's, it's great. Like it, can you make the customer feel like they're winning is, is really the point. If you can make them feel like they're winning and you are subsequently not losing at the same time, and it's like, that's a great offer. Win-win, that's great advice. Yeah. Uh, which growth channels are you most and least bullish on in 2023? Uh, Facebook is great. It's been more- You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Facebook is great. Uh, Meta, yeah, Meta. Yeah, Meta. is really good. We're doing like proper TV for the first time. Well, that's exciting. TV. That's a great fit, I think, for such a visually obvious product, right, too? But I guess the content for that also costs a lot more money. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's also a channel that we haven't fully tested. So I think that would be interesting. Also, like, out of home is something that we're getting into right now. Also very, like, long term. Oh, yeah. Catalog. Yeah. Cat and I guess you want to do that support to supporting your retail. Yeah. You do that strategically around your retail, yeah. right? Especially yeah. in Ontario, places like Ontario where you're trying to break in a bit more. Mm -hmm. And the catalog, we've never done catalog. It's not even direct mail, it's catalog. So like Vessie, who has just shoes right now, like what, how many styles do we have? I would say like less than 10. We're doing a 27-page catalog. So we'll see how that goes. Very interesting. Yeah. Has anyone in catalogs? Is that like post-pilot? Is that like... Uh... Oh, no, it's not post-pilot. No. We're using post-pilot for like the retargeting, but catalogs are like, like thick. Like thick. <laughs> thick books. Christmas wish list. Has like anyone Canadian done Canadian Tire Christmas wish list. No, no, no. one's done catalogs. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, yeah. We this is, this is one of the things that like our, our new VP of digital came in and uh, so he came from Viori, spending like $100 million a year or something. Um, 
but they spend a ton in catalogs apparently. And when you break down the numbers, it looks really good. Um, and then what catalogs buy. It's, it, it looks really good. It's like very premium looking and like the cost per send is quite, it's really low. It's like if you're looking at like a cost per click uh, comparison, like the cost per catalog fully printed and mailed to someone is maybe even cheaper than a click cost. 27 pages of like pure content of your own stuff targeted to people within your mailing list. Because you can take all of your existing customers, plug it back into a data co-op, and they identify the cohorts of people that you should send it to. I don't know. I was like, maybe it works really well. I'm not sure. But this is one of the tests that work. Is it something you'd send if it works well? You'd send with a purchase too? Like, in a sh like you'd send a catalog to someone who bought a pair of shoes? Or is that kind of presumptuous? I think right now it's retar like retargeting right now. That's the plan, right? Uh, post, post pilot is like retargeting, mm -hmm. but the catalog is prospect. So yeah, if you take all of your, does anyone know, everyone's familiar with like data co-ops? Yeah, okay, so data co-ops will consolidate a lot of like consumer buying data and then try and match to your data. So we feed them our data, they match it, and they give us prospective customers within specific targets of people. Um, these are all third party. And that's how we get like prospects. So I think for the catalog we're doing, I think it's 70-30 is our split. Um, yeah. All right, well, we've talked about the forefront in AI. We've talked about catalogs, the Stone Age, that are coming back. So we've covered it all. Thanks, guys. This is great. Give them a hand. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.